What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. You know the drill. It's Friday. You know what that means. Yes, the weekend's almost here, but before we get to the weekend, I've got a conversation with a content marketer that I want to share with you. One of the smartest content marketers I've interacted with since I've been back in the game. I've seen her post floating around the content marketing circles I've been hanging in. Subscribe to her newsletter, content folks. Link is in the show notes. Subscribe right now. Stop what you're doing. It's awesome. She had a post and she was walking through a concept called product-led content marketing that stopped me in my tracks. It's an aha moment. And I said, I got to reach out to her. I got to talk about it on the podcast. And that's what we're doing right now. If you like what you've been hearing on the show, hit that subscribe button, leave a review. I got nothing further to say. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? I'm excited to be back and to have this conversation. I am joined by Dr. Fio Doceto. We met like uh, several, so many of these conversations that I've had with different content marketers in Slack and in a Slack community. Um, a lot of people had referred me over to her and said, you should talk to her. She's got some great experience. She's doing some cool things with content marketing. So I definitely signed up for her newsletter, which is content folks. I'm getting that regularly, finding value from that. She has experience, a former senior editor at Hotjar, which everyone listening, I would imagine, knows who Hotjar is or has used Hotjar. I did it my last company um, and does content work for Ala and along with a bunch of free lancing opportunities as well. You've got a lot going on, um, but without further ado, welcome to the show. How are you doing, Fio? Thank you, Brett. The one thing we haven't covered before is that about 10 minutes before this call began, I got a book delivered in the mail. And it's a really bizarre book. It's about, um, it's it's a novel. And then in the margins of it are annotations, handwritten content pieces. And then throughout the book, there's postcards, letters, etc. Long story short, I'm super excited about that book. Therefore, your listeners are going to get a super excited version of me because I'm just, just very happy right now for all this. I love it. And I was, um, I guess if we want to paint the full picture, we're obviously in different, we're in different time zones. I, I was starting my day and I was, we were, my team was working on a different priorities and I, I was in meetings and Fio messaged me that there was some construction work going on and we didn't know if we were going to do the recording on time because of the background noise, which is so relatable in this world we're living in. I had landscaping while I was trying to record something. So I don't know, you just kind of push through what's, what's your, uh, this past year been like, I guess, just to open it up for you and just, you know, maybe working remotely and distractions. And are are you in, have you been in the groove? Talk to me about that a little bit. I think, because I was working at Hodjar before this whole thing happened and Hodjar is a remote company. So I was pretty used to being a remote worker with, with my team. Um, I started at Hodjar in 2017 and everybody was remote from then on. So in that respect, I think when this whole thing happened, we had less of a, a learning curve because we, we knew how to do and how to keep things going, which doesn't mean it was a, an easy year in any way. In fact, I ended up leaving my job in the middle of all of that and taking a second to regroup. Um, so it's been um, it's been a bizarre one and one I hope we are not repeating anytime soon. I, I'm, I am with you there. And, and just maybe like, I'd love to, before we jump into the topic at hand, just your role there was uh, senior editor, which I think is, to if we're thinking about content and we're thinking about B2B content, 
that is maybe not like a title that is typical in B2B right now. However, the way things are trending with content and just everyone's doing more content, I'm beginning to see teams look more like, you know, editorial teams, teams that are, you know, media focused and less like your traditional B2B marketing company. So I'd love to maybe just like your time in that role, like what your primary responsibilities are and just what you learned in that role. Yeah. And I, I've got to say, I didn't start off as a, as an editor. So I, I was hired at Hardware as a content marketer and I was hired as 50% of a content team of two. And so for the first year at Hardware, um, if there was anything that was being written, chances are it was me, whether it was a blog post, a newsletter, so, you know, product announcement. And then later on, uh, as the team grew and as we clarified our objectives and our goals and we brought on some freelancers and then eventually in-house marketers, I transitioned into a role of editorial overview, if you want. So less production and more direction, which I kept setting with the other 50% person who wasn't on the team. I'm just going to plug his name. His name is Louis Grenier, who you may know as the host of the podcast, Everyone Hates Marketers. And he was really instrumental in, in creating content from the ground up. And so he worked more on the strategy and I worked more in terms of how do we actually get this done? I love it. And I, that is a, I don't listen to many shows, but that is a show I listen to. So I'm, I might need to get connected and get him on the show because I always I enjoy uh, his perspective and his angle in terms of content. So that's what that's the thing. It's like marketers, you need to talk to other marketers because then it opens the door and you meet a lot of people. Maybe, okay, let's jump in. So the topic is product-led content. And when we were exchanging messages, I basically told you like, yeah, this show, like I like to talk with marketers, content marketers about something that they're passionate about. You sent me this article uh, that you wrote about product-led content. I read it and said, okay, this makes a ton of sense. I then sent it to my team. They read it and said, we need to be doing this. And today, as I'm recording this, our growth marketing manager, Elena, published our first product-led content post. And I literally just, just put it through, just hit published. And I'm excited because I think it gives our audience um, an opportunity to not get the product forced down their throat, but understand some some value that we're creating, the reasons why we're creating things in our product, and ultimately the intention is to better serve them. So that's like my quick story, and now we're recording a podcast episode. <laughs> but I'd love to maybe just from the top get your perspective on just like the the origin story on product led content from your end. So here's the thing. Again, back in 2017, 2018, Louis and I had uh, a goal. We had an acquisition goal and we wanted to help uh, bring on more users onto Hadra and at the same time explain uh, what the benefit of the product would be for them. And uh, one company that I thought was doing this extremely well and still is, is Ahrefs, who you may or may not know, you people who are listening, as um, an SEO tool. And what their content was very different from anything I'd ever seen before in terms of usually when you when you have a problem or a jobs that you want or a job that you want to do and you google that you land on on a page presumably a blog post or something and then you scroll through and at the very very end usually in the conclusion you get to reconcile the fact that the people behind the writing also have a product that you can use in the context of what you just read 
it's always been treated like an afterthought, which always made me think if if you are treating it as an afterthought, why wouldn't I? But Ahrefs were doing something really different, which was they were weaving the product into the narrative from the very start. So no matter which article you were reading on their, on their page, there will always be a point where they showed you how you could do the thing that you just kept, you just finished reading with their tool. And they showed you screenshots and they annotated them. They showed you the dashboard. They sent you, they showed you their own internal processes. By the time you were dying with, done with reading the piece, you had a really good sense of how to solve a problem and what tool you should use because you'd just seen it in action. So we thought that our best bet was to follow a similar approach because we were a small team, we were strapped for resources and time. And we thought, why don't we organize our content in the same way so that in the context of somebody solving their problem, they, they can practically and tangibly see how we can solve it for or with them. And that's sort of the origin story of how uh, that process then became the way we did content at Hotjar for two or three years after. And and something that people out there might not have heard Fio say, but I'm going to just like amplify it is we you don't need to just create all of these new ideas and concepts from scratch. Someone out there is probably doing it and it you can look at those people and study what they're doing. And if it makes sense to your business, then just go, re- just go re- remix it and make it your own. And I think that's exciting. And you just saw an opportunity based on your situation. And, and now you're several years later, kind of a subject matter expert in, in that space, talking about it on a mar- marketing podcast. <laughs> so I'd love to maybe get your perspective on just when we're talking about product and we're talking about content and content may be delivered on something that most people can visualize and relate with is a blog. You know, there's this, this feeling about, well, if we're creating these blog articles, we don't want to be just pushing our product down people's throats and just talking about features, functionality, and, and that. What you're talking about is, is, is very different from that. So maybe like clarify like the, the good way to do it and maybe the not so good way to do it. Yeah. There is absolutely a wrong way to do it. And that's exactly what you mentioned before, which is when you very artificially and insert a plug, for lack of a better word, for your tool that interrupts the narrative and it just comes across as salesy or pushy. I think we've all seen those. But I think, I don't know why, but I think sometimes marketers are reticent about showing the product in the context of a blog post. Whereas I've always kind of thought, if people are coming here because they have a problem and we clearly have a solution, we're actually doing them a disservice by not showing it, which doesn't mean, again, we're going to try to shove it in their faces, but if it fits naturally as part of the narrative, why not? There is an added value because not only do they understand in the abstract how to solve something, they can just go and do it because they've seen it in action right here on the page, which I mean, I think to me is is a way of serving the audience, provided you're doing it with integrity. So your end goal is serving the audience, not plugging your tool, just to be clear. Yeah. And I think that makes so much sense to me now when we think about like the traditional process that B2B marketing is used to, and that's right, we create this content so that we can generate people to our web or drive organic to generate people to our website, to get them to click a button, to enter our funnel so that we can then 
get a demo, bring in our sales team. Like that's like the traditional way a lot of B2B marketers are thinking about the work they do in the process. But like, I think in hearing in you describe it, there doesn't need to be this barrier between all of these items and steps and things that consumers come to the website and want to learn more. And they don't need to talk to someone to see pictures or get explanations about product. And I think that's where this strategy and approach fits in. It allows your audience to step in, consume the content, get an understanding on their own terms rather than a rigid calendar invite that leads to the same old demo that is cookie cutter, not personalized. And then your potential customers left being like, ah, that wasn't such a great experience. What what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, you know, this this kind of approach, which uh, I call product-led content, somebody might call product-led storytelling. I think it just boils down to meeting the user at the point where they have a problem and educating them on how to get the most value out of your products without forcing them to take steps they don't want to take. So it's also quite possible that they come, they read the piece, and then they disappear for six months. That's fine. But at the point where they are going to practically want to take steps towards solving the problem, they might just remember you because you've also shown them the practical solution. I think when a person can imagine themselves in the middle of a solution already, instead of having a tangible or abstract idea of what that works, that makes a lot of difference in their minds and therefore for you as a company. That's so good. And thinking about it from a story perspective, as you mentioned, that's that's good marketing these days. You tell a story, people can visualize. And if people are visualizing themselves fitting into your story, why not have your product there in a way that helps amplify or better tell the story? I'd love for you to maybe talk through like what the dif- the difference between product-led content and maybe traditional product marketing. How do you think about those two, those two items in, in separate buckets? Like what are the differences? So in my mind, they are not in separate buckets after all. They have, they, they have the same goal and you're just adding an additional layer on top. So I think it's useful to, to go back to definitions. What, what do we mean by content marketing? I'll give you my definition. I think content marketing is the process of creating and distributing content to A, attract and also B, retain customers so you can increase your revenue and ultimately grow your business. So with this in mind, then if you're taking a product-led approach, that's just one way of doing it, which is just putting the product front and center in the narrative, in everything that you do. It It doesn't have a different set of goals at all. It's just a way by which you accomplish the goals of acquisition and retention, really. Yes, I love that. And maybe like, maybe like d- double click into that, just acquisition and retention. Um, maybe, maybe explain a little more about from your experience, um, you know, this product led content approach, how it helps support the acquisition in a better way and how it may help support retention from your yeah. perspective in a better way. Normally, when you think about a traditional funnel, you have your customers or you actually you have your strangers who are um, who need to become aware of your product and then you funnel them through a stage of persuasion until they eventually convert and then uh, you know they they become advocates or you know whatever the, the funnel is 
that really takes too many discrete steps to get something done. Whereas I think this kind of approach sort of, I'm going to say something here that some people may not agree with, but I think it makes the funnel redundant insofar as you have a person with a problem, you have a tool with a solution. This person may be completely new, but it may also be a customer. Just because somebody is your customer doesn't mean that A, they know 100% of the functionality that you offer, or B, they're using your product to 100% of its potential. So what we found at Hotjar is that in addition to attracting users, which we'll go on a separate tangent in a second because we used SEO as our primary distribution. In addition to attracting users, this content also worked really well to upskill existing customers. So this content would be findable via Google search because it was optimized for, for specific search intent, but we would also distribute it in app whenever it was published so that existing customers could use it. And maybe they could just learn something new about the tool that they didn't know about. And if they could see, again, if they could see themselves doing something with it, they might give it a try or they might stay longer or they might upgrade, you know? Um, so yeah, this, uh, this is why I'm thinking the, the funnel <laughs> becomes a little bit flattened be because this approach works for two things at the same time. I don't like the metaphor of killing two birds with one stone. So I'll just go with, um, you can bake two pizzas in the same oven type thing. This is my uh, Italian roots speaking. I just made this up completely. So. I, you know, I, I like the two pizzas in the same oven too, because I like talking pizza more than I do like talking birds. So uh, yeah. that, that makes a ton of sense to me. I, uh, I love what you said about, and it's okay. It's okay to be controversial on this podcast because that's what I think this is about in the funnel and the idea of the funnel. I'm definitely, you know, I'm not a lot of what we do in B2B marketing, we, we shouldn't be doing. And that's what was normal five years ago, 10 years ago. And the funnel has always been front and center of that process. And based on this strategy, it doesn't really make sense to think about things from a funnel perspective. I think, and this is again, just my opinion, but just Consumer habits have completely shifted and consumers have more control over the process than ever before. People are watching Netflix. They get their content just streamlined from their TV, listen to Spotify, whatever music they want. So it's, it's, I feel like it's our role as marketers to better serve consumers and to think outside the box of less or think outside the box of traditional B2B marketing and start finding approaches like product-led content that can better st tell stories, can better get people educated and then show your product or what you're trying to sell along the way in a, in a, in a more complementary fashion than what people are or what consumers are typically experiencing currently in B2B. Yeah, I agree. And I think we were, we were saying before, this is an extremely underutilized approach. Um, it's not the easiest approach to content. So maybe we can talk later about what you need to get this done properly, because again, you don't want to come across as salesy or pushy or too artificial. But it's an extremely underutilized approach, which on the flip side means that if you do it, you gain a competitive advantage compared to everybody else, because you are positioning yourself, your product as the standard de facto solution from the very start, while your competitor 
might not do it up until the third page that a user has to click in and the third call to action or the ebook or the whatever they get. So I, this is also why I recommend like from a strategic point of view, it makes sense to start thinking about it because not, a, not many people are just yet. Well, hopefully they will be after this episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned how to get started. We're going to cl- close with how to get started. But before we do that, are there any examples that you can point to? You, you, you led with the one up front, but are there any other examples that you've noticed in B2B of people that are using this strategy and doing things right? I don't know the, of companies that do it consistently, but I can see the difference when I, when I have a problem and I'm Googling for something, I occasionally land on pages and I notice they're doing it and they're doing it well. I've seen individual examples from tools like SEM Rush, Sprout Social, yeah, a few others. Obviously, Hotjar had a whole library of, of that. And Ahrefs, they continue to do it. I mean, I think they've been following the same principle for the last five years consistently. And everything they do is a good example if anybody wants to look them up for that. Awesome. Yeah, I got to, we'll shout out Sprout Social. They're, uh, they're, they're someone we're just partnering with. Great company and not surprised to hear you plug them there. All right, let's close with this. This this is a kind of a mind shift. I think, you know, everyone's got their process. They've got their content topics. They've got their themes of how they want to create content, whether it's, you know, we're going to do three blog posts a week. We're going to, we have a podcast and then we're, we've got this YouTube show. And so people are, it's, it's hard to get outside the box, especially if uh, content teams are finding their content performing and it's working. I guess there are people that are sitting there thinking, for our product, this strategy makes a ton of sense. And this is something that I want to implement, but I might not have the power to go implement it. So I need to talk to some people and maybe work cross-functionally. I'd, I'd love to get just your perspective on how might someone who's listening today get started with this strategy? I would say two things. The first one is if you're just getting started, instead of trying to go from zero to 100 in one go, try to take something you already have and add a layer of product on top. By which I mean, if you have any existing piece of content that is already working well for you in whichever way you define success, so it's ranking well, it's bringing good traffic, it's bringing good leads, just look into that and see if there are any opportunities to add your your product into the narrative. Now, for you to be able to do this, you actually need to know the good points where you can add the product, meaning you need to know your product functionality inside out. And also, you need to know the most common jobs that your customers or ideal customers are doing. So you, if you don't know this already, you may want to make friends with the, part, the people in product and in customer support. Because they are the people in the customer support are the closest to the customer. So they probably have a really good intuitive sense of whether something makes sense or not. And the people in product can pair and complement that knowledge with specific recommendations of what you can write or talk about. And the final point is you don't have to rehaul the entire thing. Sometimes it's sufficient to add two paragraphs, two screenshots, and just say, by way of example, and by the way, if you're using our tool, this is how you could do it. Bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, engine, move on. Um, if anybody wants to see how that's done, again, Ahrefs is a good example. At Hotjar, I occasionally used a box called editor's tip 
where I just came out and said, if you're using Hodger, this is what it looks like. And I just put that, an arrow on top of a screenshot. And that was really it. So if you're just getting started, you don't have to start at full, <laughs> at full speed, but you can start small and see if that does something for you. And then you can iterate on top. I love it. The, it's the uh, crawl, walk, run approach mm. to product-led content. Uh, Theo, I learned a ton. I know the audience out there did too. Before we let you go, I know you've got a newsletter. What do you want to plug? You're, you're the marketer. You got to point people somewhere where they can go check check out your stuff. I will absolutely plug the newsletter, which is contentfolks.substack.com. It comes out twice a month and it's um, short stories and tips to create content that truly serves an audience. And so it's for um, content marketers, editors, and content writers primarily. Awesome. Yes, we we have signed up and I'm receiving those and it's all good stuff. Theo, thanks so much for your time. We'll have to have you back on here. Um, this was so much fun. Thank you. So ever since I read that article about product-led content marketing, spoke to Theo, we have been infusing it crawl, walk, run approach, everyone, into our content mix. And it is really helping out, helping our our audience understand what we're up to over here. Shout out Elena for helping bring that to life over here at The Juice. If you like what you've been hearing, hit that subscribe button, leave a review. If you want to get our newsletter and find out when the beta launch is happening, thejuicehq.com, sign up for it. Enjoy your weekend. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And I'll be back on Monday with another. 